Welcome to the April 2019 edition of Bookplate. Find us on the web at foreveryoungadult.com. Join a book club chapter in your area or start your own by visiting us online and clicking the book club link at the top. Don't forget to check out our monthly themed wallpaper created by graphics goddess Mandy C, which is always featured at the top of the page. So for introductions, I am Annie and in this book, I think I'm the, I might, wait, I don't know who I am in this book. I have a favorite character. I think Joaquin was my favorite. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I fit in. It was, although it was a very normie type of story, mm-hmm. it was maybe like the sister of the mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malu- no. I liked her too. Jessica? I can't remember. I think Melissa Taylor was the mom. I think her sister's name is Jessica. Yeah. But yeah. we meet her at the end, and she's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I am Brit, and in this book, I am Grace's chewed-up straw. <laughs> <laughs> Just all the anxiety all the time. Mm. Yeah. I guess I could be the Froyo. <laughs> I love that you always choose the inanimate objects. It makes me happy. This is book plate, and we always break up the book like a meal, and we started off with the amuse bouche. So... Grace gets pregnant in high school and decides to give her baby up for adoption. This prompts her to finally look for her bio family or biological family. She knew she always had a sister, but surprise, there's a brother too. A heartwarming story about the meaning of family. Yeah. For our other cover take, we always ask our significant others what they thought. And Jamal, my significant other, actually listened to this audiobook with me uh, while we were on a drive. So when I went to him and was like, what do you think this book is about? He's like, but I know what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> but if you didn't know, I was like, if you didn't what know, you what do you think? He said it's about three siblings that don't know they're a family, which is like a short and sweet way of putting that. And then when he looked at the cover, he was like, mm, it also looks like someone who gets lost. Mm, okay. I started to listen to the audiobook and I just didn't really like the narrator's voice. It wasn't that different. It was hard to differentiate some of the characters. Yeah. So far from the tree and then the cover's got all the leaves on it. So Garrett looked at the cover and said, "Mm, something about a family tree and you being far from it. So you're probably either an outcast or maybe you're adopted and learned some family secrets that were maybe better kept buried. It's like, do you look up these summaries ahead of time? He's like, no, I don't even know what the title of the book is until you tell me just now. I don't know. Because... He's almost always pretty on the nose. (laughs) I don't get it. It's like he speaks design. So he (laughs) understands what their intentions were. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Okay. So for our appetizer, I have cheese and crackers in my mouth and also microaggressive tamales. Yes. Which I loved. That was Britt's choice. (laughs) The cheese and crackers oh. are when there's like a scene when the siblings are all together kind of after something happens and they that's all they have to like forage for food. Do you want to talk about the microaggressive tamales? Sure. So there's a scene or a story, I guess, that Joaquin is telling about one of his teachers. And it's like right before they go to winter break and she hands him a 20 <laughs> and is like, can I buy some tamales from your family? And at first he's just like, what? And then he realizes that this teacher made the assumption that he comes from a big Mexican family that makes tamales every Christmas. And rather than having to like explain his trauma to this woman who just assumed something about him, he went out and bought some tamales and froze them and brought them back for her. And I don't know, as a teacher, that just really upset me because there's a way to bring students' culture into the classroom and making assumptions is not it <laughs> at all. And also the monetary exchange made me upset. Yeah, that's weird. It was about, it was like assumed labor. And yeah. just like, I don't know. Yeah, like unless like you know for a fact that like his family owns a restaurant or something, that's kind of inappropriate. It's really inappropriate. Yeah. It also assumes that, I mean, it's also just like very painting with a broad brush. It assumes that every Mexican family makes tamales. And mm-hmm. like maybe they don't, you know, like people are different and allowed to be their own individual person yeah yeah i really like the way that microaggressions were handled in this book there's another scene oh no it's a different scene he says something about one foster family that he had was like i don't see color and like as a kid he was just like okay but everybody else does and i was like that's just a really good 
succinct way of explaining why the whole quote unquote colorblind thing is not helpful. Because like, okay, sure, you can ignore race, but society is not going to. So how does that help me? And then there was another part when Grace is talking to, what's his name, Roth, the guy that she likes. Oh, yeah. And she finds out that he's Mexican and she's like, uh, can you talk to Joaquin? Because like, I think he's really disconnected from his culture. And Roth is like, what, you want me to teach him how to be Mexican? She's like, uh, no, it's not what I meant. And he's like, you know, I'll hang out with him. But what he really needs right now is for someone to listen to him. And I, I love that he was just like, I'm not going to do the emotional labor for you. You're his sister. You can learn. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of confrontation in the book Mm -hmm. in general that without being like there is some violence but nothing like I think a lot of stories kind of rely on violence to be the confrontation and the the microaggression the verbal you know just little here little there can actually like be more violent yeah you know it's like being poked in the same spot over and over and over and over again like it's little but it adds up and it hurts because it keeps happening (laughs) yeah and then there was one other thing that I wanted to say. So a while ago, a couple of years ago, I was just browsing Twitter and I saw someone tweeted at an author and said, hey, your book has this phrase, circle the wagons in it. And it's got this really like racist history against Native Americans. And the author was like, wow, I just looked it up. I had no idea. I'm going to talk to the publisher tomorrow about removing it from future editions of the book. And then I was reading this book and I saw the phrase and I was like, wait a minute and I went back to the tweet and it was about this book oh whoa because there's a part when grace it says something like grace circles the wagons or whatever and so the idea behind the phrase is that like settlers colonizers whatever would like have their wagons in a circle to protect from like an attack from native americans or whatever and I was like that's interesting that it was removed from print but not the ebook because mm. it was still in my book and I'm like in theory, wouldn't it be easier to take it out of a digital copy? So I tweeted the author about it, and I was just like, hey, I really liked your response to this, and I just read this book, and it was in the Kindle version, and I'm wondering if there are any plans to take the phrase out of the Kindle version. And she responded right away and was like, yeah, yeah, I know, notice that it's still in there, and I'm going to talk to the publishers, like, on Monday about getting it removed. And I'm like, that's pretty dope. That's like, awesome. <laughs> to just not get defensive or ignore it or whatever and say, like, this is something that I didn't know. Now I'm learned. Now I'm going to do something about it. So I think that's, that's one of the really difficult parts about confronting racism is that someone points it out. A lot of people take it as a personal attack, Mm -hmm. especially white people Mm -hmm. take it as a personal attack and it's not personal until you take it personal. Mm -hmm. Right. So that that's where this whole, like that's why it becomes this emotional battleground. And like all of a sudden, white women are crying because they've taken it so personally. And it's like, you really could have chosen a much different tactic to respond. So I think we all have choices about how we react to things. And, and the, the better choice is to like solve the problem rather than cry about how someone hurt your feelings. So I will yeah. do that. <laughs> so I was like, wow, that's a really dope response. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So hopefully she follows through on it. Yeah. I would hope so too. And I would hope the publisher all, yeah, I don't know the difference between like the print versus the ebook and either they are think it'd be an easier fix though or to change it digitally i i don't know yeah but isn't it the same publisher i mean i don't know how those platforms work right like that's interesting to me because it's not like you have to physically reprint copies of the book if you change it digitally yeah you should just be able to like update i don't know don't listen to me i don't know what i'm talking about (laughs) but i'd be curious (laughs) seems like it'd be easier yes readers listeners if you know (laughs) tell us (laughs) (laughs) okay so the other one i have here is the adoption foster care or the system Mm -hmm. a lot of conversation around this book especially because of joaquin who actually is in the system is is very interesting to me and i think it was it was a good look at how that works. Mm -hmm. So some of the phrases that happen in the book are bio trumps foster. If you are in a family that has biological children and foster children, that the biological children are treated better. They just like get things more than the foster children, you know, like bio trumps foster. There's one of the siblings who's actually was adopted and then the family had a biological child. And so she has people point out like, oh, but that's the real child. Mm-hmm. You know, It's like you're not a real child if you're adopted into the family, right? 
So I thought that was interesting. They also point out who gets adopted. Mm-hmm. So one of the things they talk about is that white girl babies are the most coveted of babies for adoption and that people pay upwards of $10,000 or more to adopt these children when there's like hundreds, if not thousands of other children available in the system. So why are we, why are people so obsessed with having the white girl baby? Like if you want a baby, it's, it's a baby, right? Like I think that's really interesting and, and also just, really points out the like systemic racism of this country and how it runs so deep through everything yeah (laughs) and to like make a comparison i guess there is a subreddit called am i the asshole (laughs) and i (laughs) follow i follow a twitter account that is just that pulls some of the like more ridiculous ones and posts them and basically it's somebody writes in with the situation and they end it with asking like am I the asshole here like am I in the wrong and there's this one that I just read today about this dude who said my wife and I have two daughters and you know we always said that we would have we wanted a daughter and a son so but like three is the most we would have so I want a third oh no 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 hold on I'm, I'm messing it up no no okay so they have a daughter and a son mm. And he's saying that it's either they have two daughters or they have a daughter and a son, but he wants to keep trying because he wants to like make sure that he has a straight son that he can bond with over women and stuff. (laughs) And he's like, my wife was all forth having a third child, but now that she realizes my reasoning, my reasoning, like she thinks I'm disgusting and doesn't want to, am I the asshole here? And it's like, yes, yes, you are. (laughs) Because like, why do you have to have a straight child to bond over things uh because only you know a straight son would want to talk about sports and girls and (laughs) yeah and it's like why do people see their kids as extensions of themselves and not like their own individual little humans why is it important what your child's gender or sexuality is you don't get to control that right like they're they are their own person they get to have their own life you give them life and that's your role. Your role is to support them in how, whatever that turns out to be. If they have cancer, if they are disabled, if they are not straight, like it doesn't matter what it is, you support them because they're your child and it's your family. Yeah. Like if you're not ready to have a disabled kid or a gay kid, don't have a kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like because that's not up to you and you need to be there as the parent to support them no matter what. But yeah, it was really gross. And then people in the comments were saying like, oh, yeah, I know somebody who has like six sons and they keep having kids because they want a girl. And it's like, just why? I mean, that's weird. And also six kids is way too many kids. (laughs) What kind of money are you making to have six kids? Kids are really expensive. I mean, I don't know how many of you are listening to us from other places in the country. Kids in the Bay Area (laughs) are really expensive. If you have a kid in preschool here, it's like two thousand dollars a month, which is extra rent essentially that's like more than my rent what the <laughs> i mean it's really expensive so if you are having six kids either you're not putting them in preschool or you're spending like crazy amounts of money i don't know i don't get it yeah the other piece in here about the adoption is that different siblings are adopted by different parents mm-hmm. different families this happens a lot mm-hmm. kids get split up and they you know, they don't stay with their family. I mean, there's there's a lot of research that says the best thing for kids is to be with family. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a group of siblings, like... To not split them up. Do not split them up. If possible. But it happens, and in the book it does, and it's... I think it's a really interesting look at it. I actually was just at a wedding in Minnesota, and the family had adopted one kid, and when they found out he had a brother, they adopted oh, the brother as well. That's awesome. Which I think is really cool. But yeah, that doesn't happen all the time, and... Yeah, like Grace's parents were saying, like, you know, we wanted to adopt Maya, too, when she was born. But, like, the grandma was dying and it was just too much for us. And, yeah, life, circumstances. But, I mean, ideally, like, they'd get to stay together. But, yeah, it doesn't always happen. It's really sweet in this book that they all get to come together, though. Yeah. I think that's one of the most appealing parts about the story is that the thing we want to happen, like, finally happens. Mm -hmm. And it takes them... 16 years to figure it out but then like the kids really make the family for themselves which yeah. I thought was like really sweet yeah. definitely made me cry 
<laughs> oh my god when <laughs> when uh mark and linda joaquin's foster parents like after he kept trying and trying and trying to push them away because he just knew that they were gonna send him back like the other family that adopted him did and when he like took the car and like stormed off and was like it's not my fault you can't get pregnant and you know just saying those hurtful things i mean i feel like everybody's done that like you know because you want you want to get control of the situation before it happens to you you want to say like oh well i knew that was going to happen and be able to direct it and they were just there for him like when he came back and you know he said i'm sorry and they were like it's okay and then he called the mom and dad for the first time i bawled i just full-on like ugly cry <laughs> like just lost it Ugh. it was beautiful and i thought you know i've said this before i think we need more examples of like good relationships in our literature yeah we don't always have to show the bad relationship yeah. and i was so happy they had this multiple examples of like really good parents yeah because you know usually the parents are the bad guy a lot of us feel that way when we're teenagers mm-hmm even if it is because we've been so hurt, we push people away. But like the fact that they were there for him and they like did the right thing by like showing up and finding where he was going to be. I, I was super happy because I was worried. It was, I always am worried that it's going to be the bad version. Yeah. I do want to bring up one thing that I noticed in the book is that I felt like there was kind of like an elephant in a room or elephant in the book that there was no discussion of abortion. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's because of the author's beliefs or if it was, I mean, I'm assuming it was intentional because there's a lot of talk about how she didn't want them. You know, they all assume that the mom didn't want them and that's why they're in the system and were put up for adoption. But no one ever discusses what terminating the pregnancy might have been as an option for the mom or even for the daughter this is also you know it's such a huge topic in this country especially as we have more and more laws coming through to like regulate women's bodies and are possibly going to the supreme court for this situation for roe v wade but abortion is health care and is an and should always be on the table as an option for women like we get the fairy tale ending here we have the beautiful story but this is not what usually happens yeah it's not even mentioned not like once. as an option even when grace is pregnant and she's like well i knew that i couldn't give peach like what she needed and then suddenly they're looking at adoptive families like there's no it's not even mentioned it's completely is, glossed over. yeah it's like it's 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 kind of this like whole i don't see color thing mm-hmm. like when it's mm-hmm. not even in there you know that it's intentional mm-hmm. And that there's political choices behind that. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. You know, I, I don't think I don't only want to read books with people who believe in my politics, but I do want to make sure that our books are like full and rich and give us the full spectrum of our reality, especially if it is not a fantasy. And, not, you know, like yeah. especially if it's like dealing with the real world, like that's a real world decision that people make every day and that our country is trying to make harder. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I think that that's something that I thought was missing from the discussion. I mean, even if she didn't want that to be the choice. Like, name it. Name it. Yeah. It's a big topic, but you still got to name it. You know, especially because I was I was upset because she did such a good job with all the other pieces that I was, uh, you know, I was like, I would, would have liked to see the take on this. Yeah, that's true. Because if you are and if you are a girl or a person who gets pregnant and like in high school and you have to make that choice, like you need to see good examples of all the options. Mm-hmm. Right. OK. That's a, I, that's all I'll say about that. Yeah. <laughs> so for the main course, I have chicken with sauce. First time <laughs> fancy dinner. So the first time Maya and Grace meet, they go over to Maya's house yeah. and her parents are like. They end up getting a divorce in the book, but they have weird wealth things happening and they have this like super fancy dinner where Grace's family is just like really confused about what's happening and her mom like knocks the chicken off the plate and gets really <laughs> embarrassed like about it. Jabbing her husband with her elbow, being like, I told you you should have worn a suit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> While Maya's like asking her dad, like, Dad, why are you wearing a suit? It's weird. Yeah. So yeah, just uh, that felt really real, like an awkward first time meeting of okay we're both kind of navigating this new situation (laughs) hi yeah (laughs) and like and the wealth disparity i thought was like interesting to point out you know because like wealth does make people uncomfortable and it is this huge thing of like performative wealth and stuff Mm -hmm. like that that's a lot of you know 
we're dealing with a lot of that in our nation. So I was like, oh, I like this example of how do you do that? Like who and also whose dad wears a suit to dinner (laughs) in his own house, in his own house. (laughs) I was confused by that. Yeah. He seems like not a nice guy, though. I think so. The dad. Mm, I don't know. I wish we got to know him a little bit better because. I feel like he really stepped up for his daughters when the mom had her accident and had to go to rehab and stuff and he like moved back in and wanted to take them to go visit and was like we're gonna work on things and stuff like he didn't we didn't really get much of a glimpse into what was going on with him just sort of how it looked from Maya's perspective which makes sense but I don't know if I could say one way or the other about the dad clearly that relationship wasn't healthy right Oh, yeah. From For whatever reasons, either the abuse of alcoholism or the maybe he's like a workaholic. There's some mm-hmm. co- conversation in there about like her saying he's gone all the time and he's like, I'm doing this for you. Yeah. How else is the house going to pay for itself and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of really good examples of like fam- real issues, real yeah. issues, <laughs> real families. Yeah. Which is the topic like family. Like who is a family? How do we make family? How does family hurt or heal us? You were talking about how like everyone's done that where he when Joaquin's like yells that mm-hmm. super hurtful thing. And, and it's true. We hurt the people who are closest to us. We hurt the people we love the most. Family can be really injurious. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's not always happy. And the traumas that we have in childhood like go with us through life. So, yeah, I mean, I couldn't like read this book and not think of like the whole thing with my dad which I, I've talked about previously but a couple years ago my younger brother and I found out that we have an older half brother that our dad never told us about and was hoping to never have to tell us about like he kind of just got his girlfriend pregnant at 19 and wasn't ready to be a dad and bounced and hoped that nobody would ever find out but he found us on Facebook and like I kind of just recently started texting my dad again after mm. a few years but like I did not speak to him for a while it just made me think of the first time that my younger brother and I met our older brother and a lot of those feelings like while reading this book I know you also said in the notes here about um seeing someone in a mm-hmm. face he looks so much like my dad it is spooky mm. <laughs> it is uncanny like oh my god <laughs> I thought that was interesting because like it is it is true like you can see familial relationship but also I think we also see what we want to see mm-hmm Right. Mm -hmm. And I do want to say that there's like some that sometimes that's like oddly navigated, like growing up, people be like, oh, you look just like this or you look just like this. Or I would my sister and I don't really look like each other. So a lot of people can't figure it out Mm -hmm. and they they're confused. And then we've also been in the situation where we've been out and we've been like hanging out or whatever. And all of a sudden someone will figure it out and then they get really proud of themselves that they (laughs) figured it out. I'm like, good job. Good job. (laughs) Exactly. So. I do yeah. want to say that that can be difficult to navigate, but I also thought that that was like a beautiful, poignant yeah. moment in the book. Yeah, and especially for Maya, I think, because I don't know, for Joaquin, he's been bounced around from like foster home to foster home. And then Grace, she's like, I don't really look my like my parents. But for Maya, especially, she really stands out in this like family of redheads, mom, dad, sister, and then her who has like dark hair and all the photos. And it's the first thing that like Joaquin and Grace notice when they go to her house is like how just awkward and exposed she looks in the pictures and so I think for her especially that probably would have been a really nice feeling to feel like oh people who look like me even though that's not I don't know that's not what makes the family obviously but it's something that she was conscious of like her whole life there's a lot of like interesting imagery this book was really good about making things visible mm-hmm. like I could really see all the things mm-hmm. that line of family photos I, that's so yes. iconic and like and I love that um Mark and Linda like all of the after Joaquin got the photos from the safe deposit box that his mom had that they put his photos on the stairs like lining the walls too all the baby pictures and stuff like oh. <laughs> yeah that was super sweet oh yeah. they were so good it brought up some things for me too as a teacher just a lot of assumptions that are made and like less obvious ones than like, Oh, let me buy some tamales from you. But things like when I was in high school, I was on the newspaper staff. And one of the things that we did, we had a 
collage of like all the seniors baby pictures and it's like it doesn't occur to you if you're not I don't know if you don't know anybody who's in the foster care system or if that's not like what you're used to that some people don't have those like I was always that person who hated doing family tree projects because I'm like I can trace my family back to the south of America like I don't know where I'm from you know and it just like always made me feel put on the spot but yeah so I'm trying to like be conscious of things like that as a teacher too like baby pictures or like saying parents because not everybody has parents maybe they have a guardian maybe they live with grandma like yeah yeah and also again being aware that the parents might not look like the kid you know or like your guardian might you know look really different from you yeah I think I've seen a lot in the news of um especially parents of like mixed race or adoptive kids Mm -hmm. where people freak out and think that the parent has stolen the children rather than actually like go up and talk to them and like see that this is a family people think that when it is a white or white presenting child with parents of color not the other way around though do you think (laughs) that's much you think that's not true that from that's what i have read like from just sort of people's personal experiences that's that's one of my fears yeah because if jamal and i have a kid i worry about being a white person and like being with a kid that's not white and hoping people don't freak out about it I'm sure people would ask me weird, uncomfortable questions <laughs> yeah. instead of just like see. I don't know. I feel like you can see when it's a family versus like someone being has stolen a child. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. My stepdad is Armenian. And like we when it's just like us going out together, we definitely get weird looks because like obviously he's old enough to be my dad because he is. But so people are like, oh. You know, we get weird looks because it's like they're not a couple, but they don't look related. How could they be a family? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It's just it's really interesting. So there's this one. Uh, we have a curriculum at my school that is called Welcoming Schools, and it is all about diversity and anti-bullying and gender and LGBTQ acceptance. And there's one lesson that I love doing, and it's a lesson on family diversity. And I always show the kids a picture of my family because, like, my stepdad is there, um, and he doesn't look like us. And then I usually use a picture from my wedding. So my grandma was still alive at the time, and she's in a wheelchair. And so I just show them without context and say, like, this is my family. What do you think? I used to also have my dad in the picture, but luckily he was on the end, so I cropped him out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The petty jumps out. It does. (laughs) (laughs) and I just listen to like you know their observations and what they notice and then you know and then the lesson has a bunch of family photos of different families and so they have to work in groups and put the families together they have to put the photos together to make seven families but because of the pictures you can't make all like same race hetero two parent families and so they have to get creative and think like oh, maybe this family has two moms or maybe this couple doesn't have kids or maybe this is a single dad or whatever. And yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's one of my favorite lessons to do. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah, I think we really do need to reimagine what family is. We we were so accultured to the like 50s style family, you know, suburban, white. 2.5 kids 2.5 kids. Yeah, and a dog and a white picket fence, (laughs) you know. um, And like, that's so not our reality at all. We've been indoctrinated into it. Like capitalism has made money off of that. And like, that's just not most people's reality. And I think we really need to stop making assumptions and laws and like treating people like that is supposed to be the thing. Families really, there's no one way families are supposed to be. Right. Do you remember that? I think it was a Honey Nut Cheerios commercial that showed a biracial couple oh, and yeah. a daughter and like, People freaked out. People freaked out. And it's like, why? Because, like, they don't fit your image of what you think a family looks like or it's promoting something or whatever. Like, we just have to get over it, people. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Again, back to capitalism. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, we really have been sold this story. And so even in our advertising, when we see something different, we've been told this story for so long, people get scared. When Mm -hmm. they see a, a different story, they're, like, they don't they're not comfortable with it you Mm -hmm. know we're always afraid of like difference Mm -hmm. which i really think we need to get over like (laughs) people have said a lot of things about what makes this country great or not 
And I think really the diversity of the nation is what makes it a place that I want to live. I don't want to be in places that only look one way or only are okay for one type of person or one type of family. You know, that's one of the reasons why I love being in the Bay Area because I get to see it all the different ways. It kind of freaks me out when I go other places and then <laughs> that's gone, you know, like being in Minnesota, being in rural Minnesota, traveling with a group of weirdos to and from this wedding and then also being in a group where like one of us was very clearly queer. I mean, I think I look clearly queer, but this other person was like very also much like more uh, flamboyant about mm -hmm. it. And then being with a black person and then it was, we got so many weird looks. <laughs> no one actually said anything cause it's Minnesota nice for a reason, <laughs> but like, Oh man, people were, people got weird, gave us weird looks about it. I, okay. So my grandma, she kind of s developed like dementia toward the end of her life. And I'm sorry, I'm smiling because there's just there's some funny stories that came out of it. And there was one time when we went grocery shopping <laughs> and there was this couple, a black man and a white woman. And my grandma like did not comprehend that they were a couple. And she's like, why is that white woman following that black man? <gasps> I'm like, she's not following him. They're a couple. And she's like, what do you mean? Does she work for him? <laughs> and like, She just couldn't wrap around, wrap oh her head around God. it. And this was before like when I was engaged and I'm like, so my wedding is going to be fun. Surprise. And like, she'd met Garrett before. It's just, you know, I don't know, like a, a, a big part of it, part of her like mental state was thinking that she was in the past. Cause she would ask about like her parents and her siblings and stuff. But then there were just like some moments that it was just like, Oh grandma. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> oh man. Does she work for him? <laughs> she like couldn't, comprehend that they were a couple i'm like no they're together like a couple she's like i don't understand <laughs> <laughs> i don't get it oh man and it's not like people it's it's not like multiracial couples have not been a thing right you know and people still freak out about it I yeah i don't know we really need to break out of that mold <laughs> i did want to bring up one other part mm -hmm. for the family is this genetic testing as part of a search for meaning mm. I think that's the new fad, right? Is like people do the genes and then all of a sudden they like know something about themselves, but I mean, there've been whole reality shows about it. Oh, really? <laughs> about yeah, I like, don't watch enough TV. People <laughs> tracking down families or whatever. But I your genes isn't what makes the family, right. right? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean for people who might be feeling like a part of that is lost or missing, it can help kind of fill that gap. Um, yeah. It's really interesting. So I did do my genetic testing. I did a 23andMe test mm -hmm. now like a couple years ago. And what's interesting is how it changes over time. Mm. So when I first looked at it, you know, it said one thing. And then I looked at it a year later and it said another thing. And then I looked at it a year later and now it says a third thing for this like very minuscule part of my DNA. Like, is it that like more people are doing it and they yes. have more information based on yeah, that? Yeah, they have okay. more information. But it also is like, okay, so what if you only looked at it that one time and you and just you like just went, didn't know went with it? it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so huh. it's, and it's super interesting for me because they were saying that some of the DNA, DNA was from North Africa. And now they've specifically said that there was a Native American ancestor eight grandparents ago, which is crazy to think about that they would be able to be so specific, but also like, what does that mean? You know, for a lot of natives, this whole genetic testing thing is not right it's like the opposite of what they're trying to do to create identity right we yeah. have the whole scandal with elizabeth warren who man i, I mean i can't go into all of that right now but it, it has <laughs> been like so hurtful yeah you know people now use elizabeth warren's name as like a slur towards natives along with some other like really awful things riffs off of pocahontas whose Ugh. actual name is matoka you know and like that story is so much about trauma and people just throw it around like it doesn't mean anything. And yeah. or they throw it around intentionally because they know it's hurtful. My boss, my direct supervisor at work is native. And it's a struggle. Like when people say race, mm -hmm. native is a community, is an identity, is a culture. It, it's not necessarily a race. And we tie so much of genetics to race yeah. when like race is really a visual phenotype. It's not... Yeah necessarily your genes you know your genes have actually a completely different story so 
yeah, it's complicated and we're just, we're learning so much about it right now and we haven't really been able to tease it out, but I think people are making some really weird choices about what they're doing with that information <laughs> and not thinking critically about it. Yeah. Um, I follow a lot of native activists and just native people on Twitter and that's a really big misconception that a lot of people have is that it's like percentage or whatever. And it's like, no, it's, are you part of this community and this culture? It's not, you know, it's not like a blood quantum right. thing. It's like, how tied are you to the culture? Yeah. And there's like some Supreme court decisions that are going through that. I was actually, we were actually listening to NPR and there's this whole, there's like a lot of laws that protect American Indians and are very specific about that community and culture and if we start to tie it to blood those laws could be overturned and those Mm. protections could go away so and I think some people want that to happen so again I it's like these are a lot of like real life topics that yeah we're in this book yeah I I want to (laughs) do a test just because like I would like to know where I'm from originally like I can guess like somewhere in West Africa because that's where like slaves were captured from but like I don't know I don't know I just hear like all these stories about like not that I'm gonna murder anybody but like how the government you know uses people's DNA to like track down people who've committed crimes and stuff like that and it's like just that access is really creepy that they can just like do what they want oh yeah your DNA um, so that's like made me hesitant about it, but I would like to know if I have any other secret siblings out there. I would not be surprised at this point. <laughs> it's a little like too scary for me to make it worth it right now. Maybe like on my deathbed, <laughs> it doesn't really matter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny choice. I'll be like, all right, no, no I don't care what you know. do with my DNA. <laughs> but then, you know, I mean, I don't know. I reading about like Henrietta Lacks and like, Oh, it's just when somebody has your DNA, I don't know. Who knows, like, what they're going to... Especially if you're not a white person. Like, there's a history (laughs) of people of color being abused and, like, made money off of. Yeah. Um, That's why Jamal doesn't want to do it. Yeah. He was like, no, no, they don't (laughs) get to make money off of me. I I get to make money off of me. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's super real. Yeah, I I have a friend who, she was raised in Spain, and her mother was Irish, and her family did not tell her that they didn't treat her or say that she was black when she very clearly has a racial phenotype of not white (laughs) she has like kinky hair you know and other people in the town would be like oh you're you're black and she would be like she would go home and be like am i black and they're like no no they like really just didn't tell her and so, you know, as she got older, she figured it out, right? She was like, Damn. clearly this How is... How does that help your child? It doesn't. Like, I mean, there's a lot of trauma. The whole colorblind thing, right? Like... There's a lot of trauma involved. Yeah, okay, maybe you don't see color, but the rest of the world does. So, yeah. like, help me out here. I need to be, like, ready to face that and not just, like, la, la, la. Okay, so we were talking about genetic testing as part of a search for meaning in, in the family. And I was telling a story about my friend who wasn't told that she was black when she was a kid and grow, grew up like trying to figure it out and like not being told by her family. And so did get tested and like now knows what it is. But just the concept of like even the family like not giving you the information and like this, how do you figure out who you are, your crisis of identity? Like, is it my genes? Is it my, this country is only just figuring out how to tease that out, even though we've, been making families and being different for a long time this is like new information that people are using and I think some of them are using for nefarious reasons and making weird choices about it but it's really just more information it doesn't make meaning right like you make the meaning out of it Mm -hmm. it's just more information for us to know about ourselves I forgot to mention this before but I had two students one was Arabic and one was black and there was a white student in another class. And so my Arabic Middle Eastern kid and the white kid, they're both boys. The white kid had a emoji poop emoji keychain. And uh, they were like comparing it to my black student's skin color. And that just, she was like inconsolable, like crying. And um, her parents later told me that that was like the first time that she has 
dealt with any overt racism and I just felt like really awful that it happened but kind of I'm glad that I could be there for her because um like afterward I just I didn't know what to do for like most of the day obviously we talked to like all of the parents I talked to my Arabic Middle Eastern kiddos mom and she was was like oh my god that's not okay I will talk to him blah 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 and the teacher of the white student talked to his parents and they were properly horrified they made him throw away the keychain and were like we're gonna teach him all about privilege and this is not okay it'll never happen again and I just I didn't want my student to leave like feeling like feeling like bad about herself and so I kept her after school for a little bit and I was like let's think of some positive associations with our skin color like what is something happy that our color reminds you of and she's like chocolate or trees or Nutella or whatever (laughs) like some other stuff and like by the end she was like smiling and stuff and it got to me also because of my my brown kid who was saying this to my black kid and I'm like you're like a step lighter (laughs) than she is but he doesn't like see himself that way and um the teacher of the white student who had my student's older brother a couple years ago was saying that like um, where his family is from, it's homogeneous and everybody looks like him. So he doesn't like think of himself as a minority. And even on, um, we get these placement cards to make the classes for next year so we can build balanced classes that are, you know, so we don't end up with like all behavior issues in one class or whatever. So we think about behavior, academics, special needs, language, gender, race, and like a lot of the Middle Eastern and Arabic kids are classified as Caucasian on the forums. And that just like boggles my mind because I'm like, in what world? <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's interesting that like he didn't see himself. I don't know that he sees himself as white, but he still saw himself as like not black and like above. He that. still thought it was okay to yeah. make the black girl feel bad about her skin color. Yeah. I don't know. That just like, it totally broke my heart, but a couple months later we did I did an activity for pride with my students where I had them write down something they were proud of and my student wrote I am proud of my color on the posters so I had to like email her mom and say like those ugly words didn't break her beautiful spirit and I was just I don't know I'm just happy that she was like resilient and not that it didn't affect her and not that she's not going to remember it but it didn't break her that's just I mean it's just so great like to then take pride in it. I mean, and the thing that's really fucked up about this is like the poop emoji. Like you look like shit. We want to make you feel like right. shit. Yeah. Like that's just horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. God, I don't know. I, you know, we have this whole racial equity mandate at work and we talk about leading with race and how like you have to lead with race and discuss it in order to be able to mitigate it and let, and that that's the only if we want to make the world better for people if we choose to make the world specifically better for black people because in the data black people just like they get the shit end of the stick like in all ways the data just shows in all things that you could be thriving in black people have the worst outcomes and so if you address that and you make the outcomes better for those folks then you make it better for everyone else I love the concept and I think it's really important work but I don't know how long it's going to take us to really like get at this systemic permeation of how we've weaponized race against our neighbors, our families. And it just, it completely blew my mind that it was coming from a brown kid. I'm like, what? Like, it's not like you pass the paper bag test or whatever. Like, I don't, but it's like in how he seems, sees himself and what he doesn't see. And like the separation that he feels like then he's like a little bit higher on the ladder or whatever. Um, kind of like we were talking about earlier, um, about that MAGA gay dude oh, yeah. who's like, uh, the T should be dropped from like the LGBT community because like gender and sexual. And it's like, I don't get it. I don't get how like so much of the time it could come from like within communities or within like with ad- other marginalized communities who should know what it feels like. And then it's just perpetuated. It's like. 
because if you because if you can make yourself a little yeah. bit higher on the ladder, then you get that privilege. Yeah. You see that the white people get treated better. Yeah. It's, pr- it's literally in the air. Like if the kids didn't learn it at home, where did <laughs> they learn it? They learned it from somewhere advertising, from walking around the street, from the news, from like the radio. They just like they know because that's how our nation works. Yeah. It's it's just. Man, it's such a daunting task, but we really need to do it. We really need to address it. And like, thank you for doing the good work in the school. <laughs> Trying. <You know. sighs> Get them while they're young. Trying. So for dessert, we have Fruity Pebble Frozen Yogurt. Grace is kind of, what is his name? Ralph? Rafe? Ralph. Ralph. Raphael. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Ralph and her go on these like pre-date dates. <laughs> I love their little banter. <laughs> They're really cute. Yeah. But they go get frozen yogurt and they get pretty pebble frozen yogurt. <laughs> so I have here siblings, which in the story, each of the siblings has their own narrative. So each of them gets to tell their own story from their viewpoint. We were talking about like who our favorites <laughs> were. Yeah. We both said that Joaquin's story was our favorite. I just like that it was a really different perspective. Not that Grace and Maya have the same story to tell. They don't. But just the divide in them being adopted and him being like bounced around the system, the foster care system, and even him pointing out to what we said earlier. Well, yeah, everybody wants to adopt like baby white girls, but nobody wanted to adopt me. And they're like, I didn't think of that. And he's like, that's because you didn't have to. Like it wasn't your reality. So it was just interesting to get a a very different perspective than the other two. Yeah. And I think what I said before is like he was the – you were saying the odd man out, but oh he's God. the other, you know, <laughs> yeah. he's the other. So you have the two girls, the two white girls, and he's the boy and he's the Latinx kid. You know, he's Mexican. And I've I've always just been drawn to the other, the odd man out. Yes, the odd man <laughs> out. That was the name of a band that I formed with a few of my friends in high school. We didn't actually do anything except get together at our drummer's house and just jam but we were called odd man out because there was something like different about each of us or that only applied to one of us so it was me and my friends jesse jennifer and justin justin was the only boy jesse was the only jewish one i was the only one whose name didn't start with a j and jennifer is straight so she was the only one who liked who didn't like girls (laughs) i think that's really cute so yeah odd man out yeah it's always like the queer weirdos the fr- the fringe folks those are my people and i've always been yeah. drawn to that same we were <laughs> we were definitely like the group in high school we called ourselves like the the group under the stairs uh, or like the weirdos under the stairs because that's where we ate lunch like we behind the library there were like the staircase going up and we had this little nook like under the stairs and that was just like our spot and i feel like three people maybe that I would still call like a friend at this point and not an acquaintance that I still keep up with on a regular basis but a lot of us were there by circumstance because we didn't fit in anywhere else and we kind of like formed our little group based on that yeah that's I mean that's a lot of how it happens I actually was so it's pride week in Minnesota I was just there for this wedding and I got to see like my all-time bestie her name is Maggie and She's going through a hard time right now, going through a divorce, and uh, is coming out as more queer and, like, realizes, like, she's not straight, and maybe the the gender's different. I mean, she hasn't come to any conclusions yet besides, like, oh, the world is interesting beyond the binary. (laughs) (laughs) But she was texting me. She texted me yesterday. She was like, happy Pride. I don't really see myself at Pride, but I'm so glad you've always seen me. And oh my god, now I'm gonna cry. <laughs> That's <laughs> really I was sweet. like, yeah, I was like, I I literally went to middle school. I had such a shitty end of elementary school, really shitty sixth grade year. It was the worst, and I didn't like any of the kids that I was going to school with. And I specifically was like, screw all these people. They don't like me. I don't like them. I need new friends. And I went into middle school being like, okay. Here's my first week. I'm going to pick who I want my friends to be. And like, so in all of my classes, I was literally looking around being like, who do I think I could be friends with? Who mm-hmm. is it? And as soon as I laid eyes on her, I was like, I want her to be my <laughs> friend. I want her to be my friend so badly. She is so clearly very cool, but also like my type of cool, you know, 
how do I strike up a conversation and get her to talk to me and be my friend? Seriously, how? Because I still struggle with that. <laughs> like, especially as an adult, it's so fucking hard to make friends as a grown up. <laughs> like, yeah, it's really hard. I mean, it's I pra- luckily I like pr- have practiced. But like at that time, I was I literally like one day I was like, OK, so I watched who she talked to and like what they were talking about. And I was like, okay, so next time we have class together, I'm going to make sure that I start a conversation. I love this. And like go I in with you, like taking notes. Like, yes. Okay, right. I mean, I didn't write it down, but I was like, all right, so this is my in. And I totally like had some terrible line about her and this other kid who were both blonde and sat next to each other. And I was like, are you siblings? <laughs> and they're like, no, we just know each other from, we went to school. And I was like, great and then I was like <laughs> I want to talk to you <laughs> blonde hair <laughs> writing down <laughs> I love it but yeah after she she was texting me she was like you know I don't see myself at pride and she sounded like a little sad and so I went through I happened to have a collection of f- photographs in my house and so I went through and was like oh I have a lot of pictures of us together <laughs> like from our weird awkward middle school and high school years I just like texted her a bunch of photos and was like I've seen you since day one like it was literally love at first sight and I love you and I have and I always will so that's sweet (laughs) we recognize each other the weirdos recognize each other (laughs) drinks hidden wine there is a really sad part about the story where uh, Maya's mom is an alcoholic and Mm -hmm. she and her sister who you know is the bio kid in the family kind of have this game slash not game they're playing where they're finding the hidden wine and pouring it out yeah that's so that was really real too yeah i was like i bet kids do that and then just to find the bottles everywhere anytime a kid has to like be the parent it's just a little heartbreaking (laughs) yeah yeah Mm. I put this on here because drinks. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about was teen pregnancy. Mm-hmm. There's this part in the story where Grace says her high school didn't really deal with her pregnancy very well. And like, like she was the, f- she was the first person, first pregnant person ever at her high school. I don't know. Like the high school doesn't tell her that, but that's her assumption. She's like, I bet I was the first pregnant person ever. And I like, that was the only thing in the story that it was like not real for me because I grew up in this area with this high school that had a teen parent program. So there was literally teen parents every day at my high school. And there is a preschool at the high school where they could get childcare while they went to school. How big was your high school? We had a little over 2000 kids. Okay. So like maybe 23. Okay. Not huge. I mean, there were high schools that were like 5,000 kids, Mm -hmm. um, not in my district, but how big was your high school? Mm, It was a high school and middle school same campus so i want to say my graduating class had like a, a little over 100 okay so 600 700 maybe yeah kids definitely dropped out like the high school was like a little over a thousand but my graduating class was only was under 300 so like kids did not make it all the way through <laughs> yeah and then like i was saying that that was super real for me cuz like i went to snooty white rich private school i was very odd man out there (laughs) and like i never saw a pregnant person like the whole what seventh through twelfth grade six years i would it would be like a scandal that's and i don't i don't know of anybody who dropped out like people transferred Mm. but i don't know of anybody who dropped out i mean even i don't know it was a it was a like private college prep school so there was like maybe like two people in my graduating class who chose not to go to college. And even that was like, you're not going to college. Like Mm. what? And it was because their parents had money and they had the freedom to. Holy shit. (laughs) That was the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) They had the freedom to not and still be secure and like not have to worry about like what they were going to do after graduation. I know. Right. (laughs) Like there were kids who didn't go to college because they, because they needed to work. Yeah. No. (laughs) Or they just, like, or their parents didn't have the money. There's a lot of kids who went to, um, like, not university, but um, community college. Some, yeah, some students do that, but, like, it was with, it was always with the plan that they would transfer to a four-year. Yeah. The, like, two kids who didn't go to college, it was because, like, 
they wanted to travel or take a gap oh, year it. or like <laughs> find themselves and it was like an active choice because they didn't feel the pressure to like you have to go to college you have to get a good job you have to you know whatever it was like eh. that's so nuts I mean my I parents took a will gap support year. me while I'm but <laughs> but I had to convince my parents that was going to be okay yeah no this was yeah so so I can believe it that yeah. like she was felt like she was the first pregnant person. I had never seen a visibly pregnant person at my high school, except for teachers. <laughs> oh, you had pregnant teachers. Yeah, but they were married. I actually like thought this was a really great program. And so I think that's dope. I think like high schools should have that. I know there's people who are like, but it promotes teen pregnancy. It's like, n- no, no, it gives them opportunity. Like, yeah. And <laughs> seeing those folks pregnant with kids and going to school made me be like oh hell no like that is not I don't want to be in that position at all you right. know that's a hard place to be it's so hard to be a kid it's so hard to be a student and then it's so hard to be a parent and they're doing all of it together why not give them the resources right. to do it instead of just like ostracizing them or pretending they don't exist or being like good luck you have to figure it out on your own yeah I, d- I did tell the story. I'll tell it really quick. But I did this program called YMCA Youth in Government in high school where we got to pretend to be legislators. And we actually got to write bills and go to the Capitol building and get into like the room where the real laws happen and pretend to be lawmakers and be on the floor of the Senate. And like it was That's very cool. So cool. Like at my old school, I was a student teacher in a fifth grade classroom and they had like mock debate or whatever between like the colonists and like the revolutionaries or whatever because they study the revolutionary war and it was really cute like the kids that got dressed up and some of them wore like the george washington wigs and there were people with signs that said like no taxation without representation (laughs) but like (laughs) actually like being in the building and feeling like i don't know that makes it so real that's like a really cool like learning experience it was reverent you know it was so and i loved it i went a couple years and like I made bills and we even did the committee piece and all that stuff. And I, one of the bills I wrote was to ensure that every single high school district had a high school with a teen parent program. I, to this day, I think that that's how it should be. It should. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't even know. I, I know that in San Francisco, most of those folks get put into like one school. They kind of move everyone into the, Mm. like the pregnant school. Basically it's like the like kids who need help, like the troubled Mm. teen school. And so then being a pregnant teen equates you with being a troubled teen. Yeah, that's not. Yeah. Yeah. I know that at least here schools are trying to move toward like equal inclusion for kids with special needs and other stuff. Why wouldn't (laughs) why wouldn't that kind of need also be like that's like what is, you know, statistically shown to be like best for the kids if they can be like in their regular classroom with their peers and not be ostracized yeah we have a lot of things we need to do <laughs> in this country <laughs> yeah i mean kids uh, we said it at the top but like teen pregnancy happens for w- a variety of reasons not just because kids are troubled or kids are stupid like sometimes it happens because kids are experiencing trauma mm-hmm. and they shouldn't be stigmatized for it yeah like for whatever choice they make whether it's to terminate the pregnancy or have the kid, they still should have the same options as any, as anyone else. I just, I don't know as a teacher, like whenever there is some kind of like physical confrontation, like your first instinct is to look at like the kid who like started the fight or whatever. But like, I'm thinking about Adam, uh, Mm. Max's friend who like played the audio of the crying baby. And then Grace just got up and beat the shit out of him that like I like that the school recognized that like got him in trouble too like yeah she hit first but he was the one like hurting her first like even though it wasn't physical because a lot of times it's overlooked like words and they can just be just as much if not more hurtful than actions and I love the response of his mother who was a single mother (laughs) who was just like are you fucking kidding me like and yeah bullying yeah I mean, that is what he was doing. Yeah. But I like that he got in trouble, too. Like, it wasn't just, oh, well, Grace, you threw a punch, so it's just you. Yeah. Like, That's all for now. That's all I had to say. Anything? Any last words? Mm-mm. Okay. 
Until next time, bon appétit. Thank you.